Welcome to the Monsoon Podcast, where we dive into some of the most perplexing and pressing issues facing the Asia-Pacific today. The Monsoon Project is the platform for student voices across the Asia-Pacific. We're based at the Crawford School at the Australian National University, but we welcome any student with an interest in Asia-Pacific affairs. If you want to write for us, just head over to themonsoonproject.org for more information. On today's episode, we're examining the issue of Korean reunification from the point of view of everyday South Koreans. This year has seen an unprecedented amount of diplomatic goodwill between North Korean President Kim Jong-un and South Korean President Moon Jae-in. This cooperation has come to represent how both nations are coming together politically and socially, and is creating speculation that the two nations are on the road to reunification. However, despite the political significance of these milestones for the peninsula, the South's long-desired goal of reunification is underpinned by an increasing concern from regular South Koreans, who see this as undesirable for a multitude of reasons. To discuss this emerging social phenomena, we're joined by Dr. Lauren Richardson, Director of Studies at the ANU's Asia-Pacific College of Diplomacy, and Dr. Olga Krasniak, a lecturer based in the Underwood International College at Yonsei University. Hi, Lauren. Um, welcome to the show today. Thanks a lot for having me. Pleasure's all mine. So let's dive straight into it. So firstly, I just wanted to know, um, as someone who actually studies the importance of social change in uh, places such as South Korea, um, have you seen or has there been a noticeable shift in um, the public sentiments towards the idea of a Korean reunification? Yeah, there has been quite a shift over the last, uh, especially the last three or four years, um, and particularly among younger people. So if you look at the overall public perception of um, unification with North Korea, um, there's only about 60% of the total population uh, actually see unification as a necessity. Um, but about in about 2010, that figure was much, you know, um, quite a bit higher, or even as late as 2012, about 70% of the population thought it was a necessity. So it has changed over time. There's also been a shift uh, among young people um, where they tend to have, people in their 20s tend to have the lowest um, sort of, well, the least positive attitudes towards unification. So these days it's only about... 40% or 38% of the younger generation think that um, unification is important. And so why do you think this discontentment within uh, particularly young people is on the rise? Yeah, so I think it's because um, the surveys indicate that it's partly because they grew up with the divided South Korea. Okay, They never experienced the division and the problems and um, heartbreak that, that came with that, with the divided families and relatives. Um, it's also because, you know, they have quite, uh, South Korean society is quite uh, competitive. Um, it's taken quite a long time for their economy to take off. And now the young generation are enjoying quite high socioeconomic status. So they're really concerned that uh, unification is going to cause the economy to go into decline or even collapse worst case scenario. So there's a lot of unknowns. And it's also because they they don't, because they didn't experience that division with North Korea firsthand, they don't tend to look at North Koreans as their brethren, their long lost brethren in the same way that the older generation does. Um, so 
you know, they probably identify more with um, other people, you know, in neighboring countries that are quite advanced, like Japan and and even China. But uh, there's also men, young men in particular, have negative perceptions of unification. And I think that's partly because Korea has compulsory military conscription um, for men. And so they all have to do that, mainly because of the North Korean threat. Um, and it, it's up to two years generally, and a lot of people don't want to have to do that or they think it should be voluntary. And so they, they do tend to have this perception of North Korea just as being a problem and a major threat. So do you think as well that there might be an issue of like uh, divergent cultures and ideas between the two countries? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've been divided now for so long. And the culture, definitely the traditional culture would still be present in both societies. But as we know, South Korea is one of the most (laughs) culturally progressive um, countries in the world. They're known for their amazing um, television dramas and also movies and pop culture. And of course, none of that is present in um, well, nowhere near to the extent um, that it is in South Korea in the north. And so I think that, yeah, there are major major cultural differences, major economic differences. Okay, South Korea's economy is huge. Um, it's really diversified. They're a major trading partner of many other countries, whereas North Korea, as we know, their economy is very weak and um, they haven't been exposed to all those foreign cultures. So major differences there. So um, do you think that there's a dissonance between the views of the South Korean government and the views of the South Korean people? Yeah, I think the the current South Korean government, the Moon administration, is, I think, a lot more pro-unification than most. And we saw this come through, this divergence, when Moon did accept North Korea's um, proposal to have a, a joint um, a hockey team in the, in the Winter Olympics and to march under a joint flag. And a lot of South Koreans criticise this, um, saying that, you know, Moon is just catering to North Korea and shouldn't be rewarding um, Kim for his um, terrible human rights record and nuclear program. And so Moon was criticised a lot, and I think that's when that divergence came. Um, so... But if you look at Moon, he's an example of that older generation. He's in the mid-60s, and his background, I think, particularly lends him to pro-unification sentiments. So he was born in a refugee camp after his um, mother had to flee North Korea during the Korean War. Um, so he was really born of that, inter, literally, <laughs> that in that inter-Korea conflict um, situation, and A lot of the members of his um, presidential cabinet and um, his ruling party, they're also in their 50s and they went to college at a time when there was, uh, they basically were at college in the 1980s and that was a time when there was massive protests, um, pro-democracy protests. Also, they were very pro-unification. So when North Korea held its own sort of little version of the Olympics, these activists um, um, sent, at the time, they'd sent their own unification envoy to Pyongyang, even though the Americans didn't want them to do that. There was quite a strong anti-Americanism movement going on at the same time that they were all involved with. So I think... Um, that it kind of explains partly why his government is so willing uh, to pursue 
you know, unific- or at least cooperation with North Korea, perhaps just laying the, the foundation for unification. Of course. And so why do you think that the South Korean government is trying to uphold this narrative just solely for this foundation? Or could it be for an actual, like, want to return to a reunified Korea? Yeah, I think that obviously the South Korean government have a huge incentive to, um, you know, pursue this diplomatic offensive um, toward North Korea because North Korea has been such a problem in recent decades with um, torpedoing um, the South Korean Chonan vessel and shelling an island, Yongpyong Island, and so and plus the nuclear test and the missile tests, you know, causing havoc. So there's there's that security reason that I think anything would be a good alternative to what's been going on or what the status quo has been. And I think um, another major reason is that. Moon would like to perhaps really just improve ties between the two Koreas. And you can see that with his his current bid um, to accept Kim's proposal of um, building a joint railroad and also joint roads that that would connect the the two Koreas. And so I think that this could actually long term um, be the only way to achieve unification because it would allow North Korea's economy to grow stronger and therefore it won't seem so catastrophic, uh, I think, to South Koreans, the idea of unification and what that will do to the economy. So I think it would actually, you know, I don't see unification happening in anywhere in the near future, but I think what Moon wants to achieve is an end to the Korean War, an official end, a peace treaty and to definitely lay the foundation for normalised diplomatic relations between the two Koreas. And so um, uh, just wanting to know, um, do you think it's more important that the government, the South Korean government, takes uh, the views of the South Korean people into account when compared to, you know, the views of their military advisers or economic advisers or political advisers? I think that Moon has shown that on the... North Korean diplomatic issue that he's actually in general I would say his North Korea policy is not being swayed so much by public opinion Um, and interestingly normally that would lead to a perhaps a decline in political support but actually his his um, support rating or his approval rating has been pretty consistently high and I don't think that's because the public support his diplomatic overtures. I think it's more because they think it's amazing that he's sort of solving the North Korean crisis, you know, so just um, reducing the the threat perception and that nuclear crisis that was escalating out of control in 2017 and fueled by Trump. And I think that was really worrying. So I think that South Koreans do have an appreciation for what he's doing, even if um, they may not agree with specific policies and decisions he's made. He's still very popular. And I have to say that I, I think he really knows what he's doing more than any other leader in the region who's dealing with North Korea. And there are a lot of um, countries having summits. We hear Russia's next. There's been a couple with China, with the US. And I think that in, in recent weeks, he's, he's called for an easing of the sanctions um, to allow him to go ahead with these investment projects in 
um, in North Korea. And I think his idea is a lot of people are criticizing him, saying we need the sanctions there until North Korea totally denuclearizes. But his view is, and I share this view, that there's no way North Korea is going to ever denuclearize when all of those structures that built up in the Cold War to make North Korea feel insecure are still there. So I think he's taking the approach of we need to change those structural factors that force North Korea, you know, to really nuclearize in the first place. And so one of those is to help, you know, support it economically, um, also to give it maybe some sort of security assurances and to improve diplomatic negotiation relations with North Korea. So he has a very different view than I think many other leaders in the world. Yeah. Of course, and if it's, you know, um, actually making the people feel secure, then of course it, makes, it only makes sense that they'll actually, you know, continue to support him. Right. So um, if hypothetically um, North and South Korea suddenly decided that, you know, they'd want to reunify, mm -hmm. what do you think the greatest challenge to this process will be? I think the greatest challenge would be uh, for the two governments on either side, which are very different, to decide, you know, who's going to govern. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, it's pretty much unthinkable that the two Koreas would unify under the Kim government. That's absolutely unthinkable. And it's unthinkable because, of course, South Koreans having been a democratic country and also being one of the most contentious societies in the world. You know, they're very much known for protesting and really changing regimes and governments. Um, they, they've achieved a lot through protests. And so there's no way they would have a leader who has a shocking human rights record and um, doesn't subscribe to democracy. So it's hard to know how it would happen. And there, there'd also be the challenge with that would be also um, deciding what would happen with the U.S. troops. There's thousands of U.S. troops in South Korea. Um, would the U.S. still have a presence on the Korean Peninsula? So I think, yeah, sorting out those two issues would be the biggest challenge. And so just to wrap things up, um, do you think a reunification could happen? Yeah, I, I think anyone who has studied Korean history, you know, definitely would have to have the desire, as I do, that it will happen, and also to have hope. Um, and I think the main reason is that it wasn't the Koreans who decided to divide their country. You know, it was divided by outside powers. And of course, you know, it led to um, conflict between Koreans in the North and South, but still it was never their design. And also, if you look at the history of the Korean Peninsula, it's always been um, sort of a trampling ground for all the great powers, and it's always been contested, whereas the two Koreas have never been expansionist, trying to take over other um, territories. So I think, you know, it's really important, I think, that they overcome that really, you know, devastating history and that they can unify and you know, find that they that they do have a lot in um, common and just to, I, I think it is possible and I do think it will happen, especially now um, with all the, the improvements that have happened. I think the challenge will be to keep um, 
all the, the foundations that Moon and Kim are currently putting in place to keep that going across successive governments because in South Korea you can't be re-elected, okay, it's not like Japan or the US. So um, in the past we've seen that conservative um, presidents have taken a much more hardline approach to North Korea. So I would really hope that the next government <coughs> will be one that continues <coughs> Moon's work and therefore... In the distant future, um, I think there could be a unification, but I don't think we'll see it in the near future. Yeah, I really hope there could be one too. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks a lot for having me. Lauren's view was extremely eye-opening for me, as I never realised how complicated the debate was. As such, I decided that to truly gauge the multitude of perspectives and interpretations on the issue, it would be great to hear from Dr. Krasniak, a renowned expert and someone who has lived in the country for more than a decade. Hi, Olga. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Alrighty, so let's dive straight into it. So firstly, I just wanted to know, um, as someone who's actually lived in South Korea, have you seen a shift in the public sentiment towards the idea of Korean reunification? Yes, of course, uh, I can see it. Uh, well, um, I, I should note, uh, even just leave, living here, uh, but being a foreigner, I cannot say I'm integrated in the Korean society precisely. But uh, I have my students, and uh, maybe through my students, maybe some uh, friends, not so many of them I have. Uh, and I, I see this change in, uh, in, in perceptions, probably, uh, towards unification. So yes, I think I, I have my own observations, of course. Yeah, but uh, I should say they kind of limited. I cannot just go through the whole society and get to know what people are thinking. Of course. And do you see that um, in society? Do you think that um, a particular demographic has particular views on the issue? Yes, absolutely. And I think it wouldn't be new information when uh, all the generations they have probably maybe idealistic perceptions or maybe they have this historical memory uh, about separated families and probably uh, they have this memory when they remember when Korea was unified or it was one country and of course uh, it would be totally different situation when we're talking about uh, younger generation when they, they were born and raised in a totally different society and uh, they don't seem um, uh, associating themselves with the people from the north. So yes, this generational, generational gap, uh, it's, it's obvious. And so do you think then that um, a lot of the issue that um, young people have or that a lot of society has with reunification is how both North and South Korea have um, developed their own unique and distinctive um, cultures and ideas? Yes, exactly. And I think that would be the main problem uh, because uh, what I can observe, uh, just, just looking at my students, and my students, uh, the college uh, uh, where I teach is the English language college, and uh, so that would be kind of maybe special students when uh, they proficient in English language, and uh, most of them uh, have been living in uh, English-speaking countries, maybe the US or Australia or Canada, and probably they back and just to get some education in Korea, and uh, they, they're already a little bit different. Uh, from probably other Korean uh, young generation, other Korean students. And uh, their mind uh, has been somehow altered or changed 
for, for better, I believe. And uh, the Russian would believe in liberal values, uh, in democracy, uh, and uh, they have these obstacles uh, even to, to think probably or even to, to accept something what is totally different. And this uh, distinct uh, culture or ideological system uh, in, in North Korea, it seems to be something that uh, couldn't be uh, overcome in the mind of this young generation students. Well, this is my view. And uh, again, so the group of people I can observe and just to, to um, make my own analysis, it would be very limited. Uh, but uh, to some degree, I, I can probably apply this view to wider public. Of course. So, um, do you think there's actually a dissonance between the views of this uh, of the government and intelligentsia and those of the uh, South Korean people? Yes, uh, I, I think I think so. Uh, I think it's a very good question because something what we uh, can observe on an official level and uh, contradicts with something what we see uh, on the level of, of people, ordinary people, and uh, all these uh, official proclamations. Uh, something, well, I would say it's just politics. And uh, I understand uh, Moon Jae-in, South Korean president, because for him, and it's his main job to make South Korea uh, safe. And it's kind of security reasons. And uh, I would not take this uh, too seriously uh, about this, his conversation or about uh, reunification. Well, because I see what he tries to achieve, uh, which is absolutely important. It's about to avoid any war, any conflict, any preemptive strikes. Uh, and uh, it, it's understandable, but again, uh, I would say it's mostly political rhetoric because when people talking about reunification, uh, they normally think, okay, so that's okay, it's not that bad idea, but it's better will be accomplished in a hundred of years, maybe two hundred of years. So they cannot say, uh, South Koreans, they cannot say, we don't need reunification. We, uh, we, we're not going to do this. They say, okay, we just need to postpone it, we will see. But now we just need to reduce some tensions. We need to uh, make a situation secure and safe and, and stable. Well, and uh, this conversation of uh, what we can see from Moonjin and all these uh, uh, summits are on the highest level, well, uh, they have a different aim. Well, it's not about reunification. It's about to avoid any conflict, any war. So why do you think that the South Korean government tries to uphold this pro-reunification narrative? Do you think it could be for political legitimacy above everything else? I think it's diplomacy. I think it's uh, in diplomatic purposes, uh, as, as I already have said, uh, or just to reduce any possibility of conflict. And it's about to... Uh, I've written interesting, uh, an article in a piece uh, when Moon Jae-in uh, was compared to the taxi driver when he, he got a car and he uh, he's on the driver's seat and uh, he needs just to bring together Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump and just to, to make a conversation possible. Uh, but in which way they're going, in which way he's driving, he has no idea. Uh, but the idea is just is diplomacy. It's reduced any tensions and uh, uh, just to do anything what would be possible uh, to uh, just to keep on going, or maybe just to keep this status quo, uh, uh, status quo on this year, not last year when uh, all these missiles and uh, uh, nukes were tested. Uh, but uh, well, this is my explanation. Of course, I, I can be I can be wrong, <laughs> uh, 
but nonetheless, well, uh, all this conversation on, on reunification on official level, uh, I would not, um, I would not take. Um, it's not seriously. No, it's of course somehow seriously, but uh, uh, it mostly has some diplomatic purposes. I just wanted to know. So, do you think that um, it's more important for the government to? Uh, to act based on the views of the public and see these as the most significant views to take into account when compared to other political, military or economic views? Uh, yes, <laughs> of course. But again, it's always in, 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 poli- in politics, in high politics and in, in uh, uh, geopolitics, uh, the ideas or uh, opinion, like a public opinion, not all the times is considered uh, for, 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 for better or worse, of course, it, it's hard to justify this issue. Uh, but um, uh, what I can see, what I can understand, uh, North Korean politicians, so the aim uh, is the first place to make uh, South Korea or the whole Korean Peninsula safe. And uh, maybe they don't consider on a high degree opinion, uh, public opinion and what real um, people think about this. Uh, but of course, they acknowledge the situation. Uh, but... Uh, they aim something something bigger and something bigger it's about safety and security it's the main issue and it's uh, it's uh, not about reunification uh except this political rhetoric about it of course and um so just to wrap things up um if hypothetically the north and south suddenly decided that they would um want to reunify what do you think will be the prime challenges that this reunification process faces? Well, it would be this uh, cultural and ideological gap, and uh, gap in uh, uh, in worldview, and something that would be very hard probably to overcome uh, in, in both sides. And uh, again, uh, just just reading some materials of uh, reunification view from from the north, uh, from from the side of North Korea. Uh, it doesn't seem people uh, want to have this reunification because uh, they probably, if they if probably they don't feel themselves somehow, if not inferior, but less developed compared to South Korea. Uh, but definitely they have different aims to develop their own country, I mean, North Korea. And uh, it's not about uh, to, to give a, an opportunity or to to provide this uh, the lead in the unification to South Koreans. So it's um, I would say on the level of people, on the level of two societies, there rather would be um, uh, a lot of controversies. I would say, if if, if I may, uh, I would give you maybe a couple of examples how on a personal level, uh, not my personal level, but the level of, of regular people in South Korea how they uh, view some North Koreans who managed to escape from their country. Well, actually, they look at them as traitors, somebody who betrayed their families for some reasons. And of course, uh, any story has uh, its own story and cannot be uh, maybe justified in a certain way and people cannot be definitely blamed. Uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, on the level of uh, uh, this interpersonal communications, interpersonal encounters, uh, it doesn't seem to me as uh, it would be the people from North Korea are too welcome here in South Korea. For example, South Korean uh, government provides with some aid, with some help to uh, uh, escapers from, from North Korea. And it's actually not something what South Korean people like because they need to pay for everything. They don't have any social uh, programs comparison 
uh, to something what the government uh, can give or can provide to North Koreans. And uh, it's not something what, what makes makes people happy. So even on these personal uh, interpersonal encounters, uh, it doesn't seem to me people from North Korea somehow just doing well or go along with people in North Korea. Okay. Um, so then based on this... Uh Based on this evaluation, do you think that reunification, uh, reunification could happen? Uh, of course, it, it, it can happen. It can happen as, uh, uh, well, uh, I'll repeat it uh, again, uh, the main uh, maybe view on reunification. It's okay what, North, uh, what South Koreans uh, can, can say. It's okay, it can happen maybe uh, in a few decades, a hundred of years, so maybe later sometimes so they just postpone this they don't uh, neglect this idea of course it would be strange uh, to say well reunification is not going to happen but it's about well just to postpone for the next 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 generations it would be the most maybe uh not pessimistic but more cynical view but it, it's something what um what i can observe here and i talk to my students well uh, students in the early 20s well, already well-educated and already uh, the students who have uh, open, open-minded open perspective. And it's, uh, it's something well, I repeat after them. And they say, yeah, maybe sometime, some, sometime in, in the future, in a, in a few generations, probably. Of course. Well, Olga, thank you so much for um, coming on the show today. Well, the pleasure is mine. So what do you guys think? Will the changing sentiments of the South Korean people be the ultimate arbiter in deciding whether or not to pursue a Korean reunification? Should the South Korean government solely pursue warm relations and abandon the idea of a united Korea altogether? Monsoon would love to hear your thoughts. You can reach us on Facebook at Monsoon Project or on Twitter at Monsoon underscore project. That's it for today's episode, but we'll be back with a new episode soon.